0: ever truly like examine the motives for the things that you do in your life, like the things wrong. Um, I know that there's oftentimes I, I do something and I think that I'm doing somebody else a favor, or at least I convince myself of that. One of the greatest examples, I haven't shared this in a while. Um, it makes me look so bad, but <laughs> my first year of marriage, my wife and I, we kept everything kind of separate financially in the beginning. She had a house that we were working on selling. She moved into our house and um, there were things that kind of took place Place that, that put me in a financial bind And I didn't want to burden my beautiful wife And she was already stressed out about marriage And we're blending a family And you know I'm incredibly noble And so um, I didn't tell her How much I was struggling financially in the things that had taken place Because I'm a good man and I'm a good husband right And so I totally lied to her For almost a year straight um, Not a great healthy way To start off a marriage right But I convinced myself That I was doing her a favor It was all for her. It was all for her. Really, it was all for me, right? I didn't want to swallow my pride. I didn't want to be honest. I didn't want to be open about what was going on. And even though through all of that, through all of that, day in and day out, I said, this is for her. This is for her. It was for me. It was for me all along and until finally I was so cornered with debt collectors, I had no choice but to be honest. Um, And that was the best thing, right? That That was the thing I should do. But believe it or not, you know, when we make those decisions... Almost every single bad decision we make at the center of it is selfishness. And when I looked at that decision, it was, it was purely selfishness, right? It was a self-centered thing to do. No matter how much I tried to convince myself and her at 1 o'clock in the morning when I told her about it that it was all for her, no matter how much I tried to do that, the truth of the matter is it was all for me. And when we do these things in our lives, that, that's the case. It's self-centeredness, it's selfishness that we do. Even if we go back to the very beginning, the original sin in the Garden of Eden, we can look at that and if you've been in church, you're like, it was disobedience, right? They ate the apple. It was self-centeredness, it was selfishness, it was pride. They convinced themselves that they knew better than God and that they wanted to be like God and on all of these things and they began to have this inward focus and that inward focus in that moment is what led to their downfall. Because our bad decisions, again, they're often self-centered. And so it stands to reason... It stands the reason that as we heal and grow, and, and we're all in here to heal and grow for something. You know, Some of us, it, it may be some type of, of substance addiction. Um, others, I mean, it could be abuse or self-worth or, or any number of things. But as we stand and endeavor to grow, if these bad choices, these things that we've done over here are a result of some type of selfishness, then it stands to reason that one of the remedies, aside from pursuing Jesus, is to begin to have this outward expression of love, this outward expression of concern that we stop looking at our own desires and begin to look outwardly in every avenue and every area of our life. I know for me, nothing could be more true that I had so much brokenness And I justified so much of my brokenness because I was victimized and that was real. Like this happened to me. And even though that happened to me, I began to make selfish decisions and and I always look back and said, it's because of this. And the thing that I needed to do more than anything was learn to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And I didn't realize why this was so crucial at the beginning until I began to grow in my walk with Jesus and and grow just in in the word and begin to understand and to know what God said. A few weeks ago, we touched on this out of Matthew. Um, Jesus Jesus is in a conversation with some Pharisees, with some religious leaders, and they began to try to corner him and to trip him up. And they actually, they asked Jesus, what's what's the most important commandment out of all the commandments? And and you see in Jesus's time, they had the 10, right? A lot of you probably grew up with the Charleston Heston um, 10 commandments movie around Easter, and so we know that. And, And that was kind of my picture of Christianity for a long time outside of the church. What I didn't know is that Jews at the time, that they had 613 laws that they expanded it on. I was like, I don't know if I can follow 10. They're following 613. And so they're trying to get Jesus, hey, out of all of these, over 600 laws, what's the most important commandment? And so last week we learned, or a few weeks ago in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a few weeks ago, we learned that that's faith in action, right? If we're going to put our faith and our trust in Jesus, the only response to that faith, putting that faith in the action is to love God with everything. Like that makes sense. I ended that message with the truth that you've got to love people too. There's an inability. We can't love God without loving people. And Jesus continues in verse 39. He says, a second is equally important. My goodness, what could be equally as important as loving God? It's loving people. A second is equally as important. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. The golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire, say entire. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet were based off these two. So when you look at the 10 commandments, when you look at the, the oral tour of 613 laws and commandments, they're based off of these two. They're broken down into two categories. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, with everything, right? That faith in action. And the second, equally as important to that, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we heal and as we grow, we have to begin to make Jesus the center of everything, right? If we're not gonna be self-centered, we have to be Jesus-centered. That, that's, the only, that's the only trade-off there. There's no other option that, that I can't make my wife the center of anything, right? I can't make my children the center of everything. If I'm gonna be healthy, if I'm gonna live life that, the way that God wants me to, it can't be alcohol, it can't be drugs, it can't be sex. I mean, it can't be any of these things of the world that we have to put Christ at the center. And if we're gonna put Christ at the center, We have to put people there too. It's it's strange that that God's the most important relationship, but this equally as great thing is we have to begin to love people. Jesus is at the center and the only response we can have that moment is to love people like he loves them. And that begins to heal us. It begins to grow us in incredible ways. It begins to change the entire paradigm of the way that we, we take in life, the way we respond to conflict, the way we respond to hurts and wounds. It shifts everything. When I began to love people, one of the most difficult things I ever had to do was forgive the person who sexually abused me. What an incredibly difficult thing to do. And surely I looked, there had to be some, some loophole in God's word that says, you have to love and forget everybody but this person that hurt you. Surely it's in there, but I couldn't find it. And I couldn't reason it until I did it. And I realized that's why. It's that type of love, that type of forgiveness, even the people that hurt us, that allowed me to heal and grow past that pain. No therapist, no amount of medication, no amount of alcohol, no amount of drugs could fix the thing that love fixed. And so we have to, we have to learn to love people with everything. And it has to be with more, more than just following rules more than just words, and, and that's the title of tonight's message, More Than Just Words, because as Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the thing that he wanted them to know more than anything is, yeah, you've got 613 laws, and, and you may follow them to a T perfectly, but you've missed the heart of God. The heart of God is love. And love is is more than just words. It's more than just actions, right? It can't be empty. It can't just be rule following that there's something that has to take place. And and it's, it's conflict. It's conflict to love people the way God wants us to love them. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. But it's what we're called to do. And when we do it, things take place in our lives that couldn't otherwise take place. And so people... The people that prided themselves on following the rules, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious laws, the Sadducees, the people that prided themselves on this had missed the heart of the matter. They were all truth and no love. I have this saying, I have no idea who said it, um, but, but it's this, it's uh, truth without love is meaningless and love without truth is just mean. And what the Pharisees had done and, and what some of us tend to do is we become so legalistic about following rules and, and doing what's right that we miss, we miss heart, right? We miss God's heart. And we just come across, again, as legalistic, as mean, as judgmental, whether it's extended on other people or even ourselves. I mean, I don't know if you've been there, but, but I've turned that inward we have all these rules and these expectations. And if I don't do this right, how could God ever love me and, or anything else? And it's just such a mess and it's such a wreck because it's all truth, no love. And it's just mean. And we have to realize that, that God is absolutely all truth. I mean, God, he has this expectation that we live life a certain way, right? We can't discount that or discredit it or dismiss it in any way, but we can't miss the heart of God. The heart of God is, I know you're a broken people, but I'm gonna love you anyway. So I want you to be redeemed. He sent a son for that very reason. And we can't live life any differently. That, that we've got to operate in truth, but we have to operate in love. That we have to have both because he's all truth, all justice, and he's all love. And we have to be more than just words. We have to endeavor to to put this into action. We've got to, to love people when it's hard, when it's difficult, to forgive, to grow, to pursue. Otherwise, we'll never heal. Otherwise, we're trapped. Otherwise, we're in the exact place that the enemy wants us to be, stuck in our pride, stuck in our sin, far from God, separated from his plan and from his purpose. And it's not about keeping 613 commandments. It's not about trying to follow all the rules. It's about trying to follow the heart of God. And we gotta recognize first and foremost that God's commanded us to love him with everything. And when we begin to love him with everything, then we're free to love God's people with everything. We're we're free to recognize that even those broken people, even those people that have hurt us, we've gotta love them well. We've gotta love them well. I wanna share with you guys tonight out of the book of Galatians. We'll almost exclusively be in Galatians tonight. It's Galatians 5. Galatians was written by the apostle Paul. It was written to a group of churches in the area of Galatia. I have no idea where that is. It's not in Oklahoma. Um, But he wrote this letter to them um, because they were dealing with some things. So Paul, he reached Gentiles. Gentiles are not Jews. Um, And then he had some Jews kind of interfering with what he was doing. And so as these churches that that Paul started in the book of Acts, were kind of taken off. There was conflict because you had, at this point, you had just as many Gentiles, non-Jews, following Jesus as you did Jews. Well, all of these Jews had grown up the same way. They had to follow 613 laws. Like, that was a big deal. That defined whether or not you were a good person or not. Again, they were all truth, no love. They were just mean. They were racist, (laughs) They were all sorts of things that that missed the heart of God. Like We would just be dumbfounded at this point in our lives to, to see this and to think that it even came from God, the way they had twisted things up and how they had missed it. But but here they are, here's the region of Galatia, and they have these Jews coming in and they're telling these Gentiles, these Christians, these Jesus followers, hey, I know that you guys are following the teachings of Jesus, but you need to do this stuff too. Like you need to be circumcised, you can't eat food like that. You've got to follow all these rules. Like these people are dirty, don't eat with them. I mean, they're they're sinners, you need to separate yourself. You guys ever experienced that in the new church? Like that was one of the things that kept me out of church for such a long time was this type of mindset. It's been going Going on for a long time, but, but that's what they were trying to bring in. And so Paul, he steps up and he's like, we got to put a stop to this. Like you're missing it. You're going backwards. Like Jesus came up, came through, I mean, not, not to abolish the law, but to kind of set us free and to help us to recognize the heart of God. And the same truth that Jesus showed up to, to express, the same truth that Paul later tried to, to help them to recognize is the same truth that we need to recognize tonight in our lives that, that we need to do what's right but it needs to be centered around love. And so in Galatians, Galatians 5, um, verse three, here's Paul, he's talking to them and he's dealing with these untruths and he says, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Basically, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, then, then you, you have this idea that you can be good enough to be saved. I mean, that's where they were missing it, right? And, and that's where we miss it. And, and it leads to this trap of legalism where two things happen. One, we convince ourselves that we're not good enough for God's grace. And I've been there, and then we're dragging our past around with us, right? Because when we don't love other people, we can't love ourselves. And so that's one of the things that we've got. And then we've convinced ourselves that the people around us that are missing it, that they don't deserve our love. They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve grace or forgiveness. And we begin to categorize people as they they need more than me. I'm better than them. And we begin to miss all of it. And then we're bitter and angry and we know better than God and we're, we're puffed up with pride and, and, and we, we miss God's heart. And, and Paul's saying, if you're trying to live that way, you're not getting it. You're cut off. You're cut off. You've fallen away from God's grace. If you're trying to be good enough or expect somebody else to be good enough to deserve God's love... And again, as Jesus followers, we have the heart of God in us. And so at the same time, we're saying that "If they've got to be good enough for God's love. They've got to be good enough for your love. They have to earn it. That bar is too high. I, I, can't, I can't do enough for my wife. I screw up too much. I need grace from her. She needs grace from me. We need grace from each other. If I haven't ticked you off yet, it's coming. It's coming. Guarantee it. Because that's me, I'm imperfect. And we need to operate this way so that we can grow together and pursue God in a healthy manner. He goes on, he says, but we who live by the spirit. Well, who's that? It's Jesus followers. That's Christians. That's every single one of us in this room that would call upon the name of Jesus and declare him to be Lord. That that we can't do that. But we, but we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith, say by faith, by faith, faith, the righteousness, say righteousness, that God has promised to us, That, that it's not something we earn. When we talk about love, when we talk about God's love, not worldly love, there's not a single person in your life that should have to earn your love. They may need to earn your trust. They don't need to earn love We're supposed to freely give it. That's the expectation that if we're gonna follow God, love God with everything, love people like yourself, that the expectation there is that if Jesus is in your heart, you love freely every broken person that crosses your path. You don't have to trust and don't have to put yourself in dangerous situations, but your heart towards them should be one of love. But we who are led by the spirit, who eagerly, um, wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised. For when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. Paul's saying, we're recognizing that we're all broken. We all equally need Jesus. We all equally need grace and forgiveness and mercy. That, that we're, we're on the same playing field here. That's one of the things I love about recovery is that there's people in this room right now that come from business backgrounds and there's people in this room that were probably on the streets a few weeks ago. Praise God that we're able to come together and recognize that we need the same Jesus. We need the same love, the same mercy, the same forgiveness and we can worship the same God in the same room and sit on the same row in the same church. How beautiful is that? That's what Paul's saying. That's what we recognize as Christians. That's the church. And we can't lose sight of that. And if you're looking at somebody like they don't belong here, you're missing it. And I hope right now you're convicted, not by me, but by God, that we can't operate that way. We've got to love everyone without reservation, without expectation, because that's how we follow Jesus. And without following Jesus, you'll never heal. Without following Jesus, you'll never get to a place of recovery. You'll always be stuck because you'll always be in pride. And when you're in pride, you think you know better than God. And so Paul, again, he says, for when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, there was no benefit to being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Man. Faith in action. Love is faith in action. That, that if you're gonna put your faith in Jesus, you have no choice but to love people. They go hand in hand. They're, they're one, they're equal. The first and greatest and the other's equal to it. And we gotta walk that out. We've gotta recognize it. Maybe that's the roadblock that you keep hitting week after week, day after day. wondering, God, why am I not getting it? Why am I stuck here? Are you loving people like you love yourself? Do you have a list? Are some people not making it on that list? Shouldn't matter who they are, what they've done. And I've had, to, I've had to love some difficult people. I get it. My wife has to love a difficult person every day, but we've got to get this. And so John, it's the only time we're gonna deviate out of Galatians, but it's just great. It's First John. First John is in the back of your Bible, right? Right? Um, close to Revelation in 1 John um, chapter 4, verse 20. He says this incredible truth. It's incredibly challenging. I ended a message with this verse a few weeks ago, and it says this. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. I want you to sit on that for just a moment. I used to be really bad about uh, my language in this regard. I still suffer with my language in other regards, but I would say I hate them. I hate them. And, and it really, this hit me one day that I can't do that. Like, it's such a contradiction. And, and so if, if I'm saying that I love God and with that same tongue, my, my same breath, my same mouth declaring hatred for somebody, no matter what they've done to me, then, then I've missed it. I'm lying. He continues here. And he says, if someone says I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must, say must, must, must also love their fellow believers. So that person that I hate, Pastor Aaron, yes. What about my dirty ex? Yes, and I get it. Trust me, everyone, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, how they vote, what football team they like, how they cut you off in traffic, it's everyone, everyone, that we have to love everyone or we're calling God a liar. And and if we don't get this, If we get stuck here, and what an easy place to get stuck. I mean, I've I've been outside the church today. I mean, people out there, man, they tick me off. But I've got to love them. I've got to operate in forgiveness. And we fall into this trap so easily. And maybe you step out of it today, but you step back into it tomorrow, that this could be the thing. This could be the place that the enemy gets you over and over and over, because your wounds are real, Your pain is real. You're so justified in being ticked off and upset and wounded, except you're not. And that's what we've got to recognize. We've got to realize that you cannot declare a love and allegiance to Jesus and have an issue with anyone in your life. Abusive parent, doesn't matter. You've got to love them. You've got to forgive them. You've gotta have more than words there. It's gotta be with your heart. The same heart that's indwelled with the Holy Spirit has to develop a, a true love for those people in your life. Otherwise, you may never get out of the rut you're in. You may never advance to the next step, the next place. You may never grow until you recognize because you're missing half of it. This is one half of what God has commanded us to do. One half can be thrown out with an unwilling heart. And so we must love the people around us. When we love God, when we pursue Jesus, we have to deal with the things in our heart. We have to recognize that love is the only acceptable and reasonable response to what Jesus has done for us. Galatians, back to Galatians, Galatians 5, 13. Um, So picking up just a little bit farther, same chapter, just a little bit farther in Galatians. So this is still Paul. He's still addressing the same things. Um, And he says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Here in verse 13, um, my brothers and sisters. Well, freedom from what? Freedom from the law, right? That's what he's telling them. Hey, don't mix covenants here. You're not under the law. You've been called to live in freedom. It's not about how many rules you keep. That's not what makes you right. That's not what makes you perfect. It's your heart your heart that loves God, your heart that loves people. And so for those of you who've been called to live in freedom, again, that's us as Christians, as Jesus followers, um, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, say instead, instead use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, so here Paul is echoing Jesus' sentiment in Matthew. And he's saying, you, you've been set free from this expectation that you've got to do everything perfect and maintain every detail of the law in order to be counted righteous. You've been set free from that. But don't use that freedom to, to fulfill your sinful nature. Use that freedom to love people around you. And I love it because sometimes loving people is messy. I can't keep all the laws sometimes and love people. I just can't. There's there's things that we do right that, that that it gets it gets chaotic. I can't even always hold to the same expectations from one relationship to another. Sometimes there's gray areas, and if we become so legalistic, we begin to miss it. And we've got to recognize we've got to recognize that we've got to use this freedom to love and to serve the people around us. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. If you're going around with that, that attitude, that anger, the bitterness in your heart, this is you, watch out, be on guard. <laughs> you may be poisoning your own well, you may be robbing from yourself day in and day out and getting angry at the people around you. So spiteful. I can't believe they've done that. can't believe they did that. And you're, you're messing yourself up. And so he's saying, watch out. Love people around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you're in here tonight, man, you may be thinking right now, that's easy. There's not 613, right? Just two, I can do that. Man, I got off easy. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I wish I could just go back to following 600 laws, man. That'd be, then, then dealing with people. But that's hard, right? But I think it's meant to be hard. It's meant to be challenging. I mean, Jesus, I mean, he said, man, take up our own cross, right? Bear our own burdens. Figuratively, he did it literally. And so it's not meant to be a cakewalk and and Christianity is not meant to be easy at every turn. But man, if you want the results, if you want the the life, if you want the promise, you gotta be willing to get dirty. You gotta be willing to do whatever it takes to have the hard conversations, to look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's me he's talking about. I've been unwilling, been unwilling to love my mom. I've been unwilling to love my dad. I've been unwilling to love my ex. have been unwilling to, to love the people in my life. And, and maybe that's you where you've just got to have that hard conversation and, and recognize that I may be, may be wishing I could follow 600 laws, but I've been presented with two and, and I want to heal. I want to grow. I want to pursue what God has for me and I'm going to do everything I can to walk in forgiveness and love those that have hurt me, to love those that don't deserve my love and so, if love for God and people sums up the entire law, if that's what we're called to do, how do we find success? Point number one is this: Let the Holy Spirit lead you in love. Hey guys, right now, Caleb's sitting in the back. He's like, he's like, man, it's like ten till. Aaron just started point number one. Um, he's thinking about throwing something at me right now. Uh, he's angry. You guys, pray for him. Help him. Help him to love me in this moment. Caleb's a, is a systems guy, and, and for some reason, God placed him with this chaotic guy. That I don't even know what's going on half the time. Um, I'm baptizing these two yesterday on Sunday, and, and I'm asking my wife, did they get married yesterday? I don't even know what day it was. <laughs> love you guys, but that's, that's the world I live in. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in love. That's point number one. Um, <laughs> God did this because, I mean, if he, just told, if he just told me, Aaron, I want you to love people, fail. 10 times out of 10, I'm going to fail. Um, I, I haven't always been this way. I'm an angry person by nature. Um, I'm, I'm just not I'm, not. I'm not a compassionate person. I'm not sympathetic. I'm not empathetic. Those are not qualities that I naturally have. And the only way that, that I'm able to, to be who I am today and to have people even want to desire any type of friendship with me or relationship is because I have to let the Holy Spirit lead me in love to grow me. Like the, the place I started from, um, it was so broken. It was so messed up. There, there was so much damage there that, that I really arrived at this place that I had no choice. And, and the first place that God really led me to, it was like some kind of sick joke. It was working with children. I can't even begin to express to you how much I used to hate kids. And then God's like, I, I want you to work with kids. And I'm like, and not murder them? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but you know what happened? I, I loved God. Like, I started there. And the only natural response was to love people. Like God's spirit on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit began to lead me in love. And continuing in Galatians, in Galatians 5.16, um, Paul says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't, say won't, won't do what your sinful nature craves including decking a five-year-old, you know, like no elbows, like that may be the sinful nature. Like I had a kid spit in my face one time. And, and one of the moments I can point back to and know that Jesus is real is I didn't go to jail that day, um, right? I mean, because sometimes it's hard. And I've had other people just do awful things right? But, but when we submit to Jesus, when we submit to that relationship, when we recognize him and we let God lead our lives, those difficult people, they become a heck of a lot easier to love because even if you don't love them, God loves them and his spirit's on the inside of you. And if he's leading the way, if he has the will, if you've allowed him to kick you out of the driver's seat and sit in the back seat where you belong, then he's going to lead you to love, that, that, that's the natural thing that takes place. And it becomes easier and easier over time. And so we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us in love. He continues, he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. That's that flesh, that's that battle, that thing that goes on on the inside. And we have a choice, right? We can, we can choose to follow the Holy Spirit or we can choose to follow our flesh and what's the inside and, and what's inside, it, it does wanna do evil. Sometimes it wants to get violent, wants to get angry, wants to cuss and to do these things, but that doesn't come from God. And so let the Holy Spirit lead. It says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You see that? The Spirit gives us desires. You, you don't have to start with them. And thank goodness for that, right? And, and I've met some of you. Thank goodness that it's not your own strength, that, that you're gonna work any of this out. But, but God's spirit leading your lives will give you the desire to love people. And then as you do that, you grow in it, you heal. So much of my life changed because I started working with kids. So much of my life changed because I surrendered in this uncomfortable place. And begin to love kids. I mean, I can't, even, I can't even tell you. My wife is the result of that obedience. Like through that, if I had stayed where I was, I've said, I don't want anything to do with these kids. They're sticky, they're nasty, they're loud. You didn't spank them, I can't. Like, but the Holy Spirit led me to that place. And God opened door after door. He healed wound after wound. He grew me in such incredible ways because he gave me the desire to love people the way that he loved them. And through that, my life was turned upside down. My life was changed. And I can't even begin to express how much I love kids today. I've got six of them. I keep them alive all the time. And it's because I've let the Holy Spirit lead me in love. I've got three teenagers. They're still alive. Because the Holy Spirit leads me in love. And so it says, and the Spirit gives us the desire that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And so God's spirit lives on in the inside of us. We're made new spiritually, right? Our spirits refreshed, renewed, reborn. Our flesh isn't. Like our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, like that takes time. It's, it's a work in progress. And so From the moment of salvation, you've got these two forces kind of battling it out on the inside of you. The Spirit of God is like, man, don't hit them. And your flesh is like, I'm going to hit them. And you got this going back and forth. And it's like, you know, you need to love them. You need to forgive them. And it's like, I don't want to. You have no idea what they've done to me. And through this process, over time, we begin to win out. But you've got to guard yourself. And point number two is this. Guard yourselves from the desires of the world. Galatians 5, 18. It says, but when you are directed by the Spirit... You are under no obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And so we can follow the spirit. We can do what's right. We can live and operate in love or we can follow the desires of our sinful nature, which are very clear. Sexual or morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, um, outbursts of anger, selfish. Ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not, say will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we can let God's spirit lead us into love, lead us to love the people around us. Or we can go back to those selfish desires, self-centeredness, right? which is jealousy, envy, wild party, he's all of those things, the thing that they have at their core is, is selfishness, it's self-centered, it's inward thinking. And that inward thinking keeps us from the things of God. And we have to begin to have this outward expression of love, right, to look out and see God and God's people, to love with everything that we have. Or we can subject ourselves to the flesh, to the world, and we can fall back into our brokenness, into our cycles. We can live far from God. And those people, when we do that, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's love, love God, love people, or the latter. And, and these two are, they're equal to. They're, they're, you can't divide them. Love God, love people, including the people you don't want to love or Give way to your sinful nature. You see how important that is? And we convince ourselves somehow that there's people out there that aren't worth loving. We convince ourselves that there's people out there that are too far gone, that have hurt us too much, and they don't deserve our love. Doesn't matter. Love God, love people, or the latter. And I don't want the latter. I live the latter. It's not a place to be. And it's not a place I want any of you. And so we've got to begin to recognize this. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in love. And we've got to guard ourselves day in and day out. This trap, it's out there. Every turn, every left lane, i got to drive to Vertigris all the time. Every day I've got an opportunity for this. But we've got to recognize the importance of loving people. And it's just amazing for so long, I really did. Like I put my relationship with God way up here and it belongs way up here, but without, without realizing that the way I love people is meant to be up there too. That God's still number one, but equal to are the people in my life. And so again, guard yourselves from the desires of the world. This last point, um, I think is the most important and it's this, remember that it's a process of growth. Remember that it's a process of growth. Um, I'm sure everybody in here is familiar with the Grinch. um, You know, and kind of the thing is, you know, you think that the Grinch hated Christmas. The Grinch really just hated people. I don't think he really had a problem with Christmas, but he definitely had a problem with Whoville. And that was really this anger. But the thing that takes place at the end of the story, right, is uh, the Grinch's heart just like instantaneously, like he had this moment, he had this encounter. And if, and you know, if you would like liken that to salvation, let's call that that moment of salvation. And then his heart just like exploded and it's like, dude should be dead, man. Like that's just, that didn't happen. Um, But he didn't. And then he's just like, he loves people. And sometimes that's what we think should happen. And it's not. Not only does it not happen, but I can't find anywhere scripturally where that's what happens. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But we've convinced ourselves of that. And I think that's how we fall in this trap where we justify not loving the people around us because if it didn't click like that, right, if it wasn't instantaneous, if I wasn't overwhelmed with grace, mercy, forgiveness, and all of these things, they must not be worth it. No, this growth is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just wake up one day And have the stirring and conviction and love and desire for people in your world that matches that of God. It's day in and day out. You'll never get it on this side, but you pursue it every day, every morning. And that's the goal. That's the pursuit. But it is a process of growth. I was having, I think it was last week, conversation with my sister. Um, My sister and I are are so much alike in, in every way except one. I'm very outgoing and she's very introverted. Um, And it's really funny just to watch our lives play out because um, I tend to have more people in my circle than her. And she's like, I don't get it. Like, you're just as hateful as me, but people seem to like you. And I'm like, I just smile. Like, tell people mean things with a smile. And, (laughs) 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 but the thing that we were talking about is is how we grew up. And I just want to say this, my dad watches this. And so dad, this is not, an affront to you as a parent. You're a great parent. I love you. You did a great job. But we, we grew up in a different type of household. I, saying I, I was proud of you, that wasn't a part of the conversation, it was like unspoken. My dad loved me. We knew that. But that wasn't a thing. Hugs were not common, right? I love you. That, that wasn't common. And so what happened is my sister and I, um, we grew up very aggressive in nature, very angry, like by default, And um, like all of these things of like again empathy and sympathy like that wasn't something that we came into adult life with it just wasn't it it was something that truly through the work of God had to take place where where I was moved emotionally and by last week I mean you guys did something incredible for me at the end of service and and just my sister she's like you cried I can't believe you cried like you. She, she never would have thought because 10 years ago, Stone Cold, I wouldn't do that. And I remember as I was growing in the Lord, man, just this incredibly stupid movie, animated movie, this father makes this sacrifice for his little girl. And I remember weeping. It's freaking Pixar. I'm supposed to be a man, right? Like what happened? Like this isn't me. It's, it's God moving, right? Growing stuff in us. And it's a process. And, and, and every year... Every year, I love to learn people better, love to love people better than I did the year before. I'm, I'm able to, to emphasize and, and have sympathy in ways that, that I didn't know. And what started as is, is loving precious kids, I'm, I'm able to love broken people in my life and people that, that don't deserve it and, and people that do deserve it. <laughs> I wasn't able to love them either, right? And to have this heart of compassion where, where I'm moved to action, And and through all of it, God's healed me so much. And and that's what it's about. It's about more than words. It's about more. I could stand up here and I could tell everyone I love you so much. How empty and meaningless it could be, though, if the heart wasn't there. The heart that that God's given me that that burdens me with the people around me. And that's where we need to get. And so maybe you're in here today and, and you're just, you're far from God, you're far from this and it seems unattainable. I want you to know that it's a process of growth. And Galatians 5, through 23, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. A couple of things to notice, every single one of those is an outward expression. There's nothing selfish or self-centered about them, and they're so good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They're outward expressions of God's love, and they're things inside of us that have to be cultivated. And if you've ever grown anything, you know that it's cultivated through, through care, through nurturing, and an investment. And as you make an investment, In God's word, in your relationship, these things grow inside of you and you can't resist it. You've got to give into it because the more you resist it, the longer you're keeping yourself from all that God has from you. Begin to subject yourself to it. Allow him to cultivate and grow this in your life. To finish up, verses 24 and 26, he says... Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. The cross was a place of public death, public death of Jesus. And as Paul's talking about this, he's saying your your sinful natures, my sinful natures, those desires that keep us from this type of love deserve a public execution, that, that we lay them out there. We stop hiding behind them and we say, no more. And they become dead parts of our lives. The anger, the hatred, the unforgiveness. You you nail those things to the cross. And say, no more will I allow you to control my life. No more will I allow you to lead where you have no business leading. No more will you keep me from the plan and the promises of God. And we allow them to die there. And we allow God's love to fill our hearts and to lead our lives. And he says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So to recap tonight, I closed my notes, I don't have them. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in love. That as we're talking about this, as we're talking about the things of God, as we're talking about loving people, I get it's difficult. I mean, believe it or not, you would not recognize the hatred I had in my heart 10 years ago. And it's not by anything that I've done. It's solely by the work of God's spirit and allowing him to lead that that this work's been done. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. We need to guard yourselves from the desires of the world. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. As you step out of the trap, don't step back in it. Guard yourselves. Guard yourselves and keep allowing God's spirit to lead. And then remember that it's a process of growth. It's a process of growth. This fruit doesn't come overnight. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. I mean, I've seen so many people walk away and say, I'm just not getting it. It's not for me. It's making no difference. Give it time. Don't give up. Keep allowing God's spirit to lead. Keep allowing that fruit to be cultivated in your life. And everything we talked about tonight, it's centered, it's centered around God's love. God's love being on the inside of us in our heart. And there's only one way to get that. It's by accepting Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never done that, it's by recognizing a couple things. One, that you can't save yourself. That, that Jesus, he was God's son, that he was sent here to die, to be crucified, to die so that we could be saved and forgiven. And, and then by believing that, that that's what he was, that that's what he came to do. And then by making him a Lord and that Lord that didn't know it's authority. And we're saying, God, I recognize that you sent your son, Jesus, at, that I need his forgiveness and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him in the uncomfortable places and the difficult places. I'm going to love those people that you've called me to love. And so if you wanna do that tonight, here at the end of service, we're gonna have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can have salvation, so you can make the greatest decision, so you can be indwelled by his spirit, so you can have God's love leading your lives in every way. And maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've gotten off track and you're like, hey, Pastor Aaron, is it too late? Am I too far gone? No, he's always willing, always ready, always waiting for you to come back home. And so if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit, you recognize in this moment, in this room today, that that you drifted and you're far from home, but you're ready and willing to come back. We would love to pray with you and for you as well. And and our, our same offer stands. We're going to have some people down here at the front and they would love to pray with you and for you. And then maybe you just need prayer. Could be for anything. You just want somebody to journey with you. And you're asking, will you pray for me? Will you pray for just the problems in my life, the things that are going on? Absolutely. And then lastly, maybe you need a white chip. There's nothing special about these. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something special About when we step out of our seat in faith. And and what this is, it's an opportunity for you to recognize publicly before everybody to to crucify the passions of your sinful nature on the cross. That's what it is. That's what this is signifying. And you're saying, No more will I be held in bondage to that. I'm going to set that down. I'm going to lay it down at the foot of the cross. If that's you, we want to encourage you to step out of your seat here in just a moment, to walk down the aisle and to grab one of these in faith and recognizing that I'm no longer going to carry this burden, that Jesus has got it. For me. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, as we close tonight, if you would stand to your feet and worship.